You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Fifty-two properties in 52 weeks. Can you imagine? That sounds like a lot of work. Well, our guest today is going to tell us how he did that. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Omni Casey has been a real estate investor, broker, and coach for nearly 20 years. His real estate career started in Hawaii, where he grew up, and over the last 10 years, he and his family have lived in North Virginia and have been very active in both growing their real estate investment portfolio and growing a top-performing real estate team. And he's here with us on The Real Wealth Show to share with us how they acquired 52 properties, well, almost 52 properties in 52 weeks. Amnai, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Kathy, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Well, how did you get started 20 years ago? So I'm from Hawaii originally. So I was, um, you know, born and raised there. I was actually working at a surf shop. Um, I flipped surfboards. So I bought old raggedy old surfboards and fixed them up and sold them for a profit and started to realize there might be other things that I could, you know, raise in value. And real estate obviously was one of those things that I researched. Didn't know anything about real estate. I loved business in general. Um, was lucky enough to find a mentor over a surfboard uh, at that shop and and got into real estate and never looked back for about 20 years. Um, fix and flip, mostly buy and hold multifamily now, um, but did just about everything you could think of within real estate. You are definitely the first person I've met who fixed and flipped surfboards. <laughs> Actually, uh, the way that Rich and I got started in surfing was we were just taking a walk one day and somebody drove by and their surfboard fell off their car and just like right at our feet. And we thought this must be a sign from God. We, you know, obviously left the surfboard there for a few days, hoping they'd come back and get it. They never did. That became our first surfboard. We ended up getting it fixed and we found out that's a thing that there's people who actually can, can fix damaged boards. Uh, So wonderful. Well, um, yeah, I would say that the profits in real estate are probably a bit better. Just a bit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how did you get through 2008? That was a tough time. What were you doing then? And, uh, and how did 2008 hit you? Yeah, I, I think, well, I don't know if I knew any better. Um, you know, I, I learned good principles and by that time I was buying and holding for cash flow. And it wasn't really selling, um, you know, worrying about the resale value at that point. So I was buying in areas that were cash flowing well. And my philosophy by that point is I want to buy something that I never need to sell. Um, as long as it's cash flowing, it has a good margin for me and I have a good team in place. Even if the values start to drop, as long as I can maintain those rentals, I was able to maintain that. So the vast majority of what I was doing at that time um, was that. I clearly lost a lot of equity in my properties, but did not have to sell. And because of that, you know, came out fairly unscathed. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And, and, um, were you mainly buying to hold or flipping? What, what were you doing back then? Yeah. Yeah. Started out, I bought and I, I fixed and flipped. I learned how to wholesale. This is in Hawaii because I didn't have any money. I was in my early 20s and uh, my mentor says, all right, you don't have any money. You got to go find a deal, right? Learn how to go find deals. And I learned how to find deals and brought it to him. And he bought them and brought me on as an equity partner because of that and was able to earn my way into several deals and then start to save up enough. 
um, I, I realized that there's no amount of money that I'll be able to save to be a consistent real estate, buy and hold real estate investor in Hawaii. Um, and so while living in Hawaii, learned to invest remotely in various you know cash flow markets in the mainland. Um, I currently live in Northern Virginia now, just outside of Washington, D.C., which is where my wife is from. But um, a lot of what I do is out here on the East Coast now. I think everyone would like to know how you find a deal in Hawaii. So how did you? Was it sort of driving by and looking for yes. so I would houses? Say, yeah, you're looking for ugly, dilapidated, vacant homes, you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of great lists out there now. There's a lot of great apps to use. None of that existed 20 years ago. So it was driving through neighborhoods and figuring out, you know, is the grass high? Is there mail, you know, piled up on the, on the front lawn? Um, and is that an indication of it might be uh, vacant? And if so, um, how do I research and find them in the tax records to see if I could uh, get their information and, and mail them a letter to their actual residence or, you know, figure out, can I look them up and, and call them? So I'm jealous of those starting now because there's so much uh, great technology <laughs> that you can push a button and get all that information. Yeah. None of that existed, or at least I didn't know about it that, back then. Oh, it's amazing how the world has changed. Yes. So what is your favorite way for finding uh, distressed owners? So now most of what I do is I buy through wholesalers, I buy through real estate agents, and I buy through my network. Um, I, I Your network is by far the most valuable thing you can grow. So letting people know what you do. Over the last few years, I've shifted into my buy and hold is primarily we purchase portfolios, small mom and pop portfolios, um, someone that's looking to exit, someone that has 5, 10, 15, 20 properties. Um, primarily small multifamily properties. And as you know, if you're trying to sell off a portfolio, it often can be difficult, right? Try to selling it off one at a time. It might take a while. If you have a, a loan across all of your properties, a portfolio loan, sometimes the lenders don't like you selling one at a time. They want you to kind of sell in bulk. And so we offer that solution. We were able to buy uh, the entire portfolio, uh, which means we buy the good, the bad, and the ugly of the portfolio. Um, and we keep the ones that fit our, what we want to, um, you know, keep for our rental properties and like the one or two that don't fit, then we will fix those up and, and we'll sell those off to uh, different, different buyers at that point. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So you're, you had to learn just like we had to learn how to invest out of state. What was your first experience with that? How did it go? Um, yeah, I think I took a very, very safe approach. And so I bought something very, very inexpensive out of state. And I, you know, made sure I had an agent, I made sure I had a property manager, and actually connected with an investor in that area first. Um, so I didn't just dive into a market that I didn't know, I did a lot of research before I actually decided to buy. So the property was about $125,000. It was very minimal risk at that point. Um, it wasn't in a, a huge growth market. It was a, a slightly growing market, but it was really, you know, the, the cash flow per, per the purchase price was enough where even if um, the rents didn't increase, you know, every single year or if it was a slow increase, um, I was already positive cash flow and I was comfortable with that. So for my first property, I took a very, um, you know, uh, safe approach um, as I start to scale later on and buy in newer markets. Then I learned, you know, buying before you have your team set up. Um, that was the risk because I've bought great investment properties in markets where I didn't have my property manager, I didn't have my agent or or support on the ground. And those great properties, 
um, became bad investments because I didn't have anyone to manage it or I didn't have anyone great to manage it yet. And yeah. so um, I really focused on making sure I set up my team in an area first. And once I get a great team and a rock star property manager in place, then I'll go all in and I will start to buy multiple properties around that that property manager and team because that's the most important part, right? Find a great area, um, but even in a great area, you can be buying a terrible investment if you have a terrible team. Oh, I cannot agree with you more. Uh, we bought a brand new, gorgeous lakefront property many, many years ago, and uh, the property manager just wasn't paying attention and obviously didn't have clear rules of engagement. Uh, basically, when they left and moved out, they had painted the entire house purple oh. and like dark purple. And it turns out that's really hard to paint over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Multiple it was very years, expensive yeah. to bring it back to white. So anyway, yes, uh, it can be expensive to to have a property manager who's not clear at the outside of what the rules are and is is watching over that property. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, as we move into whatever this is, 2022, it's a changing market again. And I love to talk to more experienced investors who've been around the block um, just to see how you're preparing for yet another shift in the market. Yeah, it's interesting because it is so different than it was just, you know, six months ago or even a year ago. So the complaint and I run a, a local education meetup in my area and and the, the common theme for the last two years was there's no there's no properties, right? There's right. so much competition. There's no inventory. And so kind of listening to that, and I, we typically for the last 20 years buy 5, 10, 15 properties a year, my wife and I, and that's just kind of been our, our, our thing. And I really said, you know what? Um, I want to, you know, challenge myself and then prove that you can go find, you know, properties. You probably got to do it in a slightly different way. Um, but I set the goal last year, 2021, to buy one property per week. So 52 properties in 52 weeks. We didn't quite get there. We ended up closing on 46 properties, which is way more than we normally do in a normal year. And that was probably, you know, one of the um, tightest inventory markets out there. And and one I want to prove to myself and want to prove to the people that I coach and train, like you can go find properties in a tight market. Um, so now we're complete opposite, right? We have properties available. We have properties sitting on the MLS. There's deals on the MLS you can get now. And I would say over the next couple um, couple months that will increase. And some of those um, people that were complaining about um, no um, inventory or no deals to find, they're still not buying properties, right? And so you're figuring it out. <laughs> There's always an excuse, There's right? Always an excuse, right? If you weren't buying then and you're not buying now, are you really going to do this ever, right? So yeah. you have to pick one or the other. And so the holdup is is obviously the interest rates and worrying about what's going to happen. Um, anytime the market slows down, I, I typically put my head down and I try to buy as much as possible. I'm doing the same thing right now. Clearly buying, try to buy smart with, with right principles um, and same philosophies of, of properties that if I buy it, hopefully I never have to sell this property. I would love to keep this cash flow forever. Now, the long-term debt is not great, and so I'm doing more of a seller financing. We're doing more subject to, and we're taking over financing, and we're finding people that um, just want to get out. They're worried, and we're, we're solve, um, providing a problem, uh, a solution for them uh, to be able to get out of this market because they're nervous about it. Um, it we, we buy it at a deal that makes sense for us, um, but they're willing to carry it for seller financing for the next, you know, five to 10 years. Um, that gives me an ability to hold it at a low interest rate, 
Um, and then obviously, you know, looking at potentially um, paying that off or refinancing down the road when the rates are better. Uh, can you explain subject two because that this really is a great time to understand what that means. I would say it's going to be so relevant this year and next year, and and I'm not the the one to explain that. Um, obviously, Pace Morby, who who you you probably know as well, is is probably the the um, the authority the on that, the guru <laughs> on that, right? So, so yeah. you look him up; he's he's great in terms of his content. But but in terms of subject to anytime you look at a, an old HUD sheet or an Alta, um, there's always been a line on there that says subject to. I bought this property subject to this financing subject to this mortgage and for the most part the vast majority of transactions we never actually use it um, so it's been something that's been available um the the i buy the property but i don't assume their mortgage they keep the mortgage and i just they agree to allow me to make payments on their behalf and so that um, you know, there, there's some complications that that happen. There's some some risk in terms of people get worried about the due on sale clause and things like that. Um, but the reality is, it's a great solution if you understand how to do it. Um, you're able to buy a property, and they have a two and a half percent interest rate. That's just amazing, right? Why get rid of that interest rate? Let's keep that going, and then they're able to sell it at a price probably higher than they could if they had to sell it to someone that's getting a 7% interest rate. So they actually are getting more money, um, you know, selling it subject to than if they sold it to a, a traditional buyer who's getting their own financing. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some great opportunity. One of the things that I've noticed, especially now that I'm a co-host on a bigger pockets podcast on the market is that experienced investors are just stoked. You know, they're just, jumping in and, and looking for all the opportunity. They were doing that last year and they were doing that the year before and they were doing that the year before. Um, but they're, they're doing it now. Yes. And yet we get sort of angry, mean, troll-like comments of, oh, you know, we never listen to a realtor. They'll always say it's time to buy. And I, I take offense because I'm an investor first, <laughs> you know, real estate agent second. Um, <clears throat> what are your thoughts on that, on the, the different ways that people see opportunity or, you know, see real yeah, estate. It, it is tough. You're right. And I think um, as you get more and more, you know, into putting out there, like most of my career, I did not put out that I was a real estate investor. I, I don't know if I was embarrassed or if I was not sure of myself yet. Um, we're very private people. We're not big on social media up until the last year or so. Um, and so I didn't have to deal with it most of my career. I put my head down and we just did our thing. But now that I, I really want to, you know, coach and share and make sure my friends and family know that there's alternate options out there. Um, I, I do get that those hate messages every once in a while. And um, I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, people that are commenting um, and angry, I usually see that as it's some sort of reflection of they're just not happy with something in their life typically, and they mm -hmm. need to lash out. So I, I try not to take it personally. Yeah, that's very smart. Okay. Lessons learned. I love to ask this question from experienced investors because we have so many of them, right? <laughs> what are the biggest challenges and lessons learned over the years? Yeah. So mindset more than anything, every time I, um, you know, think I've reached my limit, you know, um, the way I get out of that is I, I need 
coaches, right? So I'm a coach, I'm a mentor, but I hire coaches, I hire mentors. And I, I specifically try to be in great masterminds all the time. So those three things uh, throughout my career has completely changed everything for me in making sure I always had great coaches, great mentors, and and, and be a part of great masterminds. Um, so I would have done that from the beginning, right? I had a mentor, but I never really had a coach in the beginning, never really had masterminds early on. I would have forced myself to be in those, those, uh, those three arenas and have those resources because um, over the last I don't know, 10 plus years of it, making sure I had coaches, mentors, and masterminds, um, the growth has been exponential where it was a linear growth up until that point. So surround yourself with a great coaches, mentors, and masterminds. And you can say that's not just real estate investing. That's anything, any sort of business um, you can kind of um, benefit from that. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, so <clears throat> Are you doing any traditional type investing, just getting getting loans? And if so, what kind? I mean, rates are just all over the place. Sure. So last year, a lot more traditional investing, more, you know, DSCR investor loans, um, a lot of portfolio, um, you know, purchases. So we um, do a good job of just buying properties, you know, we, like we started out with one, in a, one per year and then two per year, five per year. And then last year was 46. And we just save up that cash flow. And so we use our cash flow to buy uh, more cash flow. Um, and then uh, over the last couple of years, the values have gone up. So we've cashed out a lot of that. And we use that to buy more properties as well. So um, I do cash purchases and then refinance out um, a lot of those. Um, so the burst strategy. So if I'm buying 10 properties in a portfolio, I'll buy it cash often and then refinance out individually so that I can have 30-year debt on them, um, if at all possible. Now, this year, I'm not looking to refinance into 30-year debt because I don't want to keep a 7% <laughs> interest rate for 30 years. Right. So there's ARM <laughs> programs or you know some properties I've, I've decided not to cash out and just do a shorter term HELOC until the rates, you know, come back down. So I think it's just evolving your strategy. Um, but this year, I don't think I'm going to use a lot of traditional debt um, just because of, I don't want to lock it in at this rate. Very good. All right. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of the show, a huge fan of, of, you know, what, what you guys do on the education wise. So I would say, you know, what I've kind of, um, talked a lot about recently was uh, the concept of um, are you playing the right game? And so I actually have have it on my, my shirt here. So I think about that all the time, right? So are you playing the right games? We're always, um, you know, in real estate, in any sort of business. Um, you know, when I started out, I started out on the cash flow, the active income game and um, realized that that wasn't the most important game, right? And so uh, I'm pretty much everyone that is part of your community probably already understands that the most important game is that passive income uh, to provide to be able to provide that, you know, that freedom, that time freedom that we're all looking for. Um, so whether you're you're an investor, whether you're an agent, whether you're in some sort of you know, other business, always ask yourself, what game are you playing? And if I can shift from that active income game to the passive income focus, um, then it's a whole new, you know, uh, you know, game after that. So, so that's, that's what I love talking about. That's what I love coaching, coaching too. And uh, I know that's right in line with what, what you do as well. Awesome. Well, I'm nice. It's been just wonderful having you here. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us here today on the Real Wealth Show. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. And thank you for joining us here. Again, you can go to realwealthshow.com and get access to the property teams and investment counselors. I'm Kathy Bedke. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Real Wealth Show. We'll see you next time. 
views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.